Hi, guys. I thought you wanted a minute. That's what I was doing. I was doing the silence. <laughs> we both panicked. We're like, no. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We're going to do silence. We're going to do silence. And go. Hi, guys. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Continental Writing Club. Yeah, it's a new chapter. We're here. We're, we're, <laughs> we're doing it. We're, we're still, technically all we're still queer, just in different ways. Yeah. 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 yeah we are queer and queer in writing now. Yeah. And we're all lady writers who write at least 500 words based on prompts that we give each other every fortnight. Yes. Yeah. And, and then two weeks. It. It's two weeks, not one week, as we have mistakenly said. Mm-hmm. We correct ourselves. We yeah, correct ourselves. ourselves. Yeah. That's why the word fortnight needs to exist. Yeah. yeah. It's true. You got that one on us, England. (laughs) That was not the only thing they have on us, but sure. (laughs) Um, You don't want them to get a big head about it, all right? uh, They kind of already wear that crown, so. It's because they actually have a crown. I was going to go into a really big anti-crown thing, but yeah. yeah. Anyway, Anyway. so, yeah. um, (laughs) We are currently experiencing, existing in a new little bit of sunshine for the first time in a while. Sun. Sun's out and we're feeling it. Yeah. It's a good day. Yeah. Nobody wants to be inside recording this podcast. Not at all. So. You're welcome. Uh-huh. Good <laughs> news I'm is. I'm sorry? No. I'm not, sure. I'm not. You're welcome. We need the vitamin D. Don't you deprive us. Uh, so then, I guess we should like, really kick this thing off. Oh, cat already. I guess we should really cat? kick this thing off. <laughs> um, it's been a while. <laughs> it has been a while since the murder cat has made an appearance. Um, my name is Brenna, and I'm drinking an Angry Orchard Hard Cider Rosé. And a Diet Coke, because oh. all the beverage. Two beverages. Uh, I'm Amy, and I'm drinking a Vas Artesian Sparkling Water, the lemon cucumber flavor. Oh, cucumber. I didn't know they came in flavors. Yeah. Just put a cucumber That's in That's real fancy. <laughs> I will put a cucumber in it. Thank you. Your turn. <laughs> uh, Reagan here. And I'm in the middle of, the, or rather I'm wrapping up my thesis work right now at school, so I am... I'm tired. I'm tired. Uh, and I'm drinking a rock star. Yep. Kicking it old school with a rock star. B vitamins, caffeine, taurine, zero calories, zero sugar. Yeah. <laughs> it's delicious, whatever. Yeah, it's a lot of things. It will certainly make your system feel like you're having a panic attack. No, not mine. No. But she's going to be able to party like a rock star. Oh, I see, I see where you're going for there. I was like, I no, was I like, don't really like party anymore. 19... I'm pretty normal, pretty low-key. Like, it's 1999. I didn't know where you were going with that because well, like obviously... I was like Amanda Palmer reference. Obviously, I'm an idiot. Oh, You're so not an idiot. Do it for the rock star. Do yeah, it is do it with the rock star. Yeah, I thought you were... High- I want to put like, that was, up the sound. Should we high-five? There was a really awkward not high-five that just happened. Missed cues. You know, it is like high school where I am kicking it old school. Everything's awkward. Can we begin the podcast? Oh, you know what? Why don't you talk amongst yourselves for three minutes while I pull up the prompts for Brenna to read? Oh, and so then I, I was, thought. Then I said to the guy, "Oh, marmalade, marmalade. <laughs> oh, what the giraffe? <laughs> that was very Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> uh, the prompts. You will never know that they weren't there." They probably will. I just, said it. I just told in. them and yeah. you're going to leave it in, yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, guys. So the prompts for this, this cycle, this chapter, uh, were to write a new holiday story, to write a story about cooking a meal, or to write a story from a pet's perspective, because I have no imagination and I hate my own brain. Let's see what everybody did. That makes it sound like the pet's perspective is what made you hate your own brain. Nope. I hate all of my prompts all the time. You know, it's funny. I... 
for picking the prompts, there are things I've written in my little prompt notebook that I'm really excited about, but I keep saving them. Mm-hmm. For I don't know why. Every now and then I'll throw out one that I like. But whoa, how's that rosé treating you? It's decent, but the better part <laughs> is the words. It says rosé made with rare French, which is in the middle of everything, red flesh apples. Why would you describe it as red flesh apples? It just really weirded me out. I had this some apples in my mouth. have white flesh. Because oh, the inside of yeah, the, the inside is, is white instead of. I mean, they're not like. Red I mean, red, I but. get the variance in apples, but also, why would you say the word flesh on a beverage? I mean, just to make you, Brenna, uncomfortable. That was their entire purpose in you life. Succeeded, and I'll still drink it. Cool. <laughs> Glad we got that title. Fleshy beverage aside. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who reads first? I, I do believe, I do believe, it is I, Amy, oh who reads first. We need to get out in the sun. That is just, we need to be out there. Yeah. We're all a little out of our minds, right? We were I, laughing about cucumbers and Jehovah's Witnesses for like an hour. <laughs> like, dumb laughing. Very dumb laughing, yeah. But it and is Cthulhu, though, to be fair. Yeah, it all started with Cthulhu. Yeah. I mean, what doesn't? It's fair. The universe. Those ancient... Uh, technically, really? didn't he already arrive when it was... Just saying. I'm a little... <laughs> I'm a little rusty on my mm-hmm. my Cthulhu mythos. I feel like so. he came to Wormhole of another... Like, That's what pre, I'm saying. Like, the pre... universe was already made and then he just came. But like... That's so fair. technically... That's fair. Just saying. He's not God. He didn't create it. But he is He's our God. A, he's, not. <laughs> he's an elder God. Mm. Anywho. Wow. <laughs> yep. Diversion aside. Alright, so... Um, but I feel like it... It'll make sense once I finish my story. (laughs) Anyway, segue aside. Good point. point. We know more than the listener knows. I'm not calling you dumb. I'm not not questioning your intelligence. She's calling you Um, vaguely idiotic, though. No, I love my listeners. I know most of them personally. I can't call you guys dumb. Thank you for listening. We really do appreciate that you listen. Yeah. We're a lot like NPR and that we assume it's just going out into the void of blackness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, hi, mom. And just wait. She won't respond. <laughs> God, that's heartbreaking. <laughs> uh, yeah, that got dark. <laughs> anyway. I'm going to say hi, mom. In like eight months, she's going to be like, I finally listened to all your podcasts. <laughs> yeah. If my mom ever says anything, I'll know she's finally listened. I don't think my mom's been listening either. That's fine. This episode of Support a Parent. (laughs) Mothers don't know a shit. It's true. Nobody has to listen to this. People are like, oh, yeah, I'll give it a shot. I'm like, you don't have to. It's fine. No, you re... Mm. I mean, I sent you a link and all, and I talked about it for 20 minutes, but you don't have to listen. (laughs) I feel like it's just just a rating exercise. Yeah. Anywho. Yeah, sorry. So, um, I'm reading first, and I ended up picking the... I had a really hard time with this. I'm going to start off by saying I had a really hard time with this. Because there's shit I do that. They, they were <laughs> challenging you guys prompts. Up. I, every time I choose the worst prompts. I'm sorry. I don't think there's a worst prompts. Remember when we did reading club and, and the books you picked were always the oh, worst, the worst books. books. Always the worst books. <laughs> I'm really talented at choosing what not to do. You're just a sadist. That's fine. We get it. I'm not even. It's, I do this to myself. I'm like... So does that mean you're a sadist and a masochist? Yeah, sadomasochism. Is you're, you're torturing yourself? Oh my god. I'm... Never mind. I'm gonna keep that to myself. Epiphanies were had, but they were not spoken to the room. Well, you know how I can buy? Like, apparently I'm all the things all the time. 
So I can't just be masochist. Can't just be a sadist. Now I gotta be a sadomasochist. Fuck that. Congratulations. You fucked yourself. <laughs> Often. That phrase has come up a lot today. Let's move on. Let's Jehovah's Witness our way right onto the story prompts. Uh, so I, anyway, out of all the prompts, I spent a lot of time just not feeling it. And then at the last second, I was like, fuck it. And I picked cooking a meal. Oh, I just remembered your story. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. Embry looked up from the book he was reading, glancing towards the doorway that led to the kitchen. He winced as a crash of plates and slamming covered doors sounded throughout the house. Fuck. He cleared his throat. Alaria, honey, everything okay in there? Fuck, no it's not. Alaria appeared in the doorway, a smudge of flour on her cheek, doing little to dampen the dark glower on her face. I have to go to the butcher. What? Why? Embry asked, getting to his feet. He set his book on the side table and moved towards her, giving her shoulder a gentle squeeze in an attempt to soothe her. Alaria leaned into his grip for a moment, but the scowl didn't budge. There's no way the roast I have is going to be enough for everyone coming. He gestured over his shoulder with his thumb. Do you want me to go? She sighed. No, you know I'm too particular. Easier to just go myself. She walked to the closet and pulled out her coat. I know you were going to start on your sides later, but do you mind using the time while I'm out? That way we're not fighting for counter space later and something is being done now. Sure thing, Embry replied. Good luck. Ilaria kissed him on the cheek and headed out the door. The bell rang as she opened the door, causing the butcher to look up with a grin. It widened as soon as he saw her. Ilya, I did not expect to see you today! He waved a gloved hand at her before slapping it back onto the steaks he was currently wrapping. How was the roast? Good, yes? I haven't cooked it yet, Ilaria admitted, coming up and leaning lightly against the glass display case. We had some surprise additions, and I don't know if it'll be enough for everyone. I was hoping you had some I could look at. A bit larger? Of course, anything for you, he said, removing the gloves before coming around the counter. Come to the back with me. She followed him to a door tucked in the corner, which opened up to a small staircase. The air back here was cooler than in the front of the store, which was already quite chilled. Despite this, there was still a strong, coppery tang of blood in the air. Ilaria followed the butcher down the hallway to a heavy refrigerator door. He removed the bar that kept the door locked shut and leaned back as he pulled on the handle. With a popping sound as the hermetic seal was broken, the door finally gave, causing the butcher to have to give a little hop in order to maintain his footing. The smell of blood grew stronger, but Ilaria simply wrinkled her nose and followed him in. Inside was a line of naked bodies, of all ages and sizes. Each was hung on meat hooks, making it easy to rotate for the different sections of meat. The skin had been largely flayed off each, revealing the layers of muscle and fat underneath. The butcher waved her towards one end, where half a dozen large men and women were swaying gently. "'Any of them catch your fancy, Ilya?' the butcher asked, pulling on a fresh set of gloves. She hummed to herself as she stepped forward, studying the meat. "'This one looks like it might be large enough,' she finally said, pointing to a haunch. "'It does look quite fatty, though.' "'Ah, this one,' the butcher replied, patting the body fondly. He was quite feisty. I almost kept him to breed. And very intelligent. He had a fondness for Tolstoy. He took a knife sitting on a nearby bench and sliced a thin piece off of the haunch. He handed it to her before carving one for himself. 
It is fatty, but he was fed a diet heavy in nuts and was kept most active, which changes the texture and flavor of the fat. Try. You'll see. Ilaria put the slice in her mouth and immediately hummed her approval. That's beautiful. I think that might do, actually. She darted her tongue quickly across her fingertips before brushing her hands along her jeans. Was he part of that group you posted the picture of online? The butcher clapped his hands together. Yes! His group made an excellent harvest, as you can see, and they were so beautiful to watch out in the fields. He patted the haunch again. I will carve this for you now. It should be ready in 20 minutes. Thank you, she replied with a smile on her face. I'm going to run across the street for a coffee, if that's all right. Of course, of course, he waved her off. I will have it for you when you return. The aroma of cooking hit her as soon as she walked in the door, and she breathed in deeply before giving a sigh of contentment. I'm back, she called out, kicking her shoes off in the entryway. Embry waved from the kitchen. I'm just about done with my bit, and then I'll just need the kitchen again about 20 minutes before we serve. She walked up to him, brushing her lips against his cheek. They danced around each other in the tiny kitchen, laughing as they each kept getting in each other's way. Finally, she shoved him out with one hand, forcing him to hover in the doorway. He gave a mock gasp of delight when she pulled the roast out of the reusable bag. It's beautiful, he said with a cheeky grin. Embry, meet Joseph, Ilaria replied, waggling the meat at him with two hands. He likes running, marzipan, and Anna Karenina. Pleasure, Joseph. You look delicious. Fleshy apples. Fleshy. Yes. Fleshy My apples. flesh juice. Um, oh. I love and hate that story at the same time. I, yeah, I... Why'd you make him like Tolstoy? Like, that just got me. <laughs> um, I I don't know. I wanted something that sounded like obnoxiously sophisticated. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it was gonna be like Proust or Tolstoy or something to that effect. Gogol. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love your story. I think it does a great job at playing with that idea of. You know, you don't realize at first that they're eating people, mm-hmm. and you don't know what they are, and you don't know what is happening to society, but we apparently have the internet and Tolstoy still, and we're still eating people, and it makes you reevaluate the meat that you have <laughs> in your life. I, I Yeah, I, it makes me chuckle. Um, I do like that it's so normal, mundane mm-hmm. life, like, gotta cook a meal, got a party coming over. Got the kitchen small. I have fucking flour on my face. I'm gonna grab a coffee. I just gotta pick up this new slab of meat. Uh, but uh, like Portlandia, I would like to know how it was raised. Mm-hmm. Where did it come from? Did it make friends before you killed it? Like, and then right. it's just straight up a person. It's just a person. Yeah, and then like the idea of like the timing. Like I love the negotiation of the kitchen space mm-hmm. as like the most pressing thing on their mind. Not at all like, yeah, she's particular about the meat she gets, but like it's also. A person. Yeah. It's not like, oh, what's the ethics of, of eating? Not at all. Like, that's just not even on the radar. Which makes me wonder a lot about the society and all the other things that are not at all touched on in the story. Just, are some people that way and some people aren't? Are some people, like, well, who gets picked? Who gets turned into? Do you, you battle it out as a child? And if you're not smart enough, you get turned into meat? Like, mm. what happens? Mm. I kind of just assumed they were ogres, honestly. Like, I didn't even, like, I went straight fairy tale mythos on that. Yeah. You never say. I love it. You, you write a great story. I didn't write it with, like, I look at it now and I'm like, 
You could be people. You could not be people. Yeah. This could be the, like, story for vegans. Or it could just be, like, not just, like, a, a... I was, like, basically in the mindset of, fuck your meal story. Fuck your holiday story. How mm-hmm. can I make this? Mm-hmm. Shirley Jackson again? Yeah, but, yeah. like, more... Yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't call that Shirley Jackson. No, but it's, it's the idea of, like, taking... Um, when I think Shirley Jackson, I mean, obviously, she writes, like, the specific tone or specific writing style, but, like, you'll take something that is a mundane human interaction mm, okay, and you'll yeah. write about the the little moments in life that build up in the larger picture, but you write it also infusing it with a sense of terror or dread mm-hmm. or unease. And that's exactly what you just accomplished again yeah. is to take a, what is preparing a meal for a dinner party and then terrify everyone by making it about eating people. Yeah. Also, I was immediately amused by my obvious cameo in the kitchen because anyone who's heard me cook a meal, yeah, you fuck. hear me cook a meal. God damn it. Fucking hate this. Fucking hate cooking. Slam. Motherfucker. Yeah, that's yeah. me in the kitchen. I hate cooking. But you do such a good job of it. Though, like, two times out of a year I cook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you actually cook, you make really delicious things. Thank you. It they just suffers. It takes my soul to do but it. But even the act of, of, of making chicken nuggets has you swearing. I mean, it depends. If there's, you know, no space on the stovetop or if the stove is How are you setting off the alarm. on the stovetop? I mean, I set stuff on the stovetop to put them on the front okay. of the pan, and then I put them in the oven. So you start with a bag of frozen chicken nuggies, and then you take the chicken nuggies, and then you put them on tinfoil lined tray, and then your little chicken nuggies are arranged in little lines, like they're at a little line dancing competition. And then you tuck these little nuggies to sleep in the oven where they cook and become crispy little delicious things that then you eat. When they're cooked, and it smells like pastry for some nuggets? reason. No, I call them nuggies <laughs> or, or chicken nugs, chicken nugs. <laughs> <laughs> and when I put them on the, the shopping list, there's chicken nugs on the <laughs> yeah shopping list. Um, I I had no like message or any like real deep thought for this story. Mm-hmm. This was basically like I gotta get something out. What am I gonna do? And it worked well. You did a good job at that. Yeah, I'm impressed. I'm Guess disturbed. Who's... Mildly disturbed. Yeah, that's yeah. Good job. Mission accomplished. Also, I feel like we need to start mentioning authors. Other than Shirley Jackson, we only ever okay. mentioned Shirley well, okay. Jackson. Okay, Jeff Vandermeer. Um, I don't mean just start randomly listing people. Okay, I can do this game. I we, got it. We did the whole Tolstoy versus Gogol versus Proust thing just a second ago. Yeah, again, that's just listing. I mean, this just obviously does not need to go in the episode. I just Kate need to Atkinson. say her a lot. <laughs> just Kate Atkinson. Who's on my shelf right now? Never Patrick Brothers. If you Never haven't mind. read Patrick Brothers, there's a little Atkinson in my story that you're going to read yeah. later today. So, oh, good. I love Kate Atkinson. That actually will really... Um, Thank you, Foggy. Thank you <laughs> for that the cat just adamant shuffle. The rearrange the papers. Okay. You know, there's Bukowski. Oh, let's stop listing authors. I regret everything. Louisa May Alcott. <laughs> really? Little Women? Yeah, I love Little Women. Mm. But she has. <laughs> Do you like Hedgling? It only took me like <laughs> five years to read that book. <laughs> Did you hear her? Do you mm. like Hedgling Women, though? <laughs> Oh, I'm going to have so much fun when we're in hell together. <laughs> I am bringing a party, but I'm not fucking cooking. Well, it's fine. 
So, okay, uh, for my story, I did a new holiday story. I also struggled with these prompts. <laughs> the worst I tried to assuage you earlier, Brenna, but no, I, I did struggle as well. I want cat fur in my... Get your cat butt off my soda. I will that. caress the cat's butt. Um. <laughs> I mean, wash your hands. I'm not, like, full-on contacting the butt. I'm just keeping the tail up here and doing this. <laughs> Well, I'm going to just tell you that's not how one caresses then. But uh, <laughs> Like you can teach me of caressing. <laughs> I, I'm not a loving sort. You're accurate. I struggled with these prompts as well. Um, did not know what the hell I was going to choose. But yeah, this one seemed like a really solid challenge. And I kept trying to tackle it. And that so that it, as we ran out of time, that's what I ended up doing. Because that was the only one I put thought into. It's a little confusing. Bear with me. A New Holiday Story by Reagan Board. What about a bear? (laughs) (laughs) You just said bear with me. And I was like thinking author still. And I was like Jack Vandermeer. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Just going to randomly list authors. (laughs) Ping, ping, ping. Buzzwords. I'm just really sorry in general. (laughs) A sorry lot. It was cold. It was very cold. Her toes had turned that shade of dull blue that made her look like a corpse. She flexed them, feeling the stiffness therein. A glance at her slender fingers showed more of the same, nail beds and knuckles like frosted blackberries, but the pads of her fingers were an angry pink. She would feel the pain of them later, when she finally returned to the warmth. For now, she continued to crunch through the snow, the slight weight of her barely leaving indentations in the stiff, packed drifts. One cruel, icy wind led into the next until she felt she was wading through the endless stream of it, all bitter, crisp shards that cut her to the bone. Her clothes struggled to get free of her, a tiring, catching resistance to her journey. Her dark curls whipped violently behind her like a tattered war banner, heraldry all chocolate fields with sparse white lines illustrating her age. She looked of a certain type, her origins clear, her bloodline certain. She was kin to someone, somewhere, but that wasn't really what mattered. She could have been kinless, so long as she had kith to speak for her, someone to mourn her as she would mourn the year. All that mattered was that the night was cold and as brilliantly illuminated as it was harrowing. By the end of her trek, she would be as cold as a corpse and as disheveled as one too, but it was the end of a year long and dying, so it was only fitting that she looked like death herself. The dying of a year was a heavy, slow thing. The death was begun the moment the sun touched the first day, and it dragged on and on until suddenly it was done. Its stages were counted in months and celebrated in festivals peppered throughout, but no matter the jubilation, no matter the attentions given, the year would die. But years are not like people who falter, too weary and thin to weather the blows of time. The year returns just as it fades. With resilience unlike any living creature, the year will rise from the frozen ground, shaking off the leaves of yesteryear, and crowned in new life, vibrant and green, it will go forth to meet its next death with the same plodding steps. That is, so long as the year mourners performed their circuit, trudging through the cold, following the path of the final moon as its light traced along the earth. It was a quiet ritual, one that was performed in somber isolation by the few rare and unsuspecting souls who were chosen each year. She hadn't been the only one chosen, alerted by an unmarked letter of her place in the ceremony. The parchment had been old, stiff and brittle in her hands, bearing a calligraphic decree of her role as mourner. She had been puzzled by it, had turned it over and over, searching for some indication of who had sent it and when. 
but as the last night of the year approached, she found herself accepting of a letter and her task. Knowing that there were others made it easier somehow. At first, she had felt foolish standing alone in the cold and dark, waiting under the snow-burdened boughs of a tree. She had done as the letter instructed. She had told her friends and family that she would meet them for their New Year's Eve party. However, rather than head to the gathering, she took a cab out of the city to the dark, shadow-dipped tree line of the valley. There, she used her phone for the last time, checking her coordinates were right, and then she waited. Just waited under that tree in the cold and dark. As the hour ticked by, the color faded from the sky, and gradually, the silver disk of the moon crept up beyond the city line. She knew her kith and kin would be wondering after her by now. It was good that they thought of her. It would sustain her through the night, knowing that she was not forgotten, that she was expected, and she was remembered, though she hated to worry them all. After a couple of painfully cold hours, the moon was nearly overhead. She'd readied herself as the letter had instructed by removing her jewelry, her gloves and shoes, her jacket and wallet and phone. Carefully, she folded her jacket over a low branch and set her things on top of it, close to the trunk of a tree. She'd stood there, feeling the cold, but thinking it wasn't so bad. She'd be able to handle it. Gradually, she heard the crunching of steady progress growing closer and louder, another mourner nearly done with their part, just as she was about to start hers. She could barely make out the silhouette of them at first, but the moon was bright and their approach was slow. She was very familiar with the sight of him by the time he reached her. His arrival had bolstered her resolve. She hadn't been the only one to take the letter seriously. With a nervous air, she had stepped out of the shelter of the trees and held out her hand, eager to greet another, but then she had remembered the instructions. Though there would be hundreds of mourners that night, the ceremony must be a solitary one. The passing of the burden was to be solemn. No words were to be shared. And so it was with a silent nod that they met, and the burden was passed. It had been a shocking thing to feel what she thought would only be figurative. She could see it in his eyes before it transpired, the heaviness there, the tightness in his features, and the way he struggled to lift his hand to hers. But then she saw the joy spark in them just before the weight shifted to her. The sheer relief and delirious joy, and already she was eager for it herself. But she knew there would be an end in sight, and though the loss of a year weighed heavy, she would not have to carry it all herself. And so she turned from the man and his smiles, and she began her trek, always under the silver glow of the moon. As the instructions had listed, she carried the dying year with her, amazed that it didn't sink her right down through the snow and earth itself. She thought back on the months and the weeks and the days, and all that had transpired. Over time, it felt as if she were aware of the whole of existence as it had been in that year, the good and the bad, the wondrously new, the comfortably familiar, she carried it all. Intermittently, the cold was so fierce that she nearly forgot her burden, but it was this suffering that gave her an appreciation for the year and all it had seen. It was her isolation and her hour of meditation that deepened her understanding of what really mattered. By the time she caught sight of the faint outline of the next mourner in the chain, she was beginning to feel an unexpected adrenaline rush. She could see the next person, and she could see the next year as well. She was filled with hope and an eagerness to return to her loved ones, to share her new wisdom and to share the death and birth of a new year. The year laid heavy in her hand as she reached out to the next mourner, and she felt sorrow at the weight of it, sorrow at the slow and certain trudging of time, and sorrow at the knowledge that this year would never be again. But she knew it would shed its layers and return as the next year, full of new potential and the enthusiasm of youth. She simply couldn't contain the mixing of emotions within her, and so she cried for the year as it shifted from her to the next, and she cried to be free of it, and she cried of the loss of it, for it had become a part of her. With a frightening lightness, she stood and watched the next mourner as they adjusted to the load, and then began their journey under the light of the last moon. She was aware of the cold as she turned back to face the lights of the city, but it didn't seem so cruel anymore. 
She eagerly made her way back towards her things, ready to celebrate another year gone with her friends and family, and ready to wait to the next. Yay. Yeah, he is right. <laughs> I fucking love that story. I really do, Thank too. You. I think you hit the, the nail on the head. Woo-hoo. With the hammer. With the hammer. I the used Thor I used the <laughs> Thor hammer. <laughs> hammer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mjolnir. The yeah. Mjolnir. Yeah. Yeah. Just. You came on and you said, by Thor's hammer, yeah. I will smash this nail on the head. Except yeah. I actually used the hammer to write a story and it was really challenging. But you know lie. what? You did a great job of it. Because it's like, it's a new holiday story. And I, I accept it as a new holiday story. And it's a great visual for the year. It's moving. It is. Yay. Yeah. I such a good job of it. remember being really in my head about writing this one. And by the time I finished it, I didn't think I'd written anything coherent at all. It didn't make sense logically. I had gone back and forth so many times in it. And so when I was like rushed to finish it and share it with you guys, I didn't remember it being finished. Mm. <laughs> and reading it now, it's finished. It's it has finished. It, yeah, yeah, which is really refreshing. It totally is. Yeah, it was a very heavy story for me. <laughs> there's um there's a book that I've bought like a ton of times and I keep giving away to friends because I love it, but it's called An Atheist's Guide to Christmas. I will give your copy back. You don't have to. <laughs> I would just buy it again, and that's, like, the beautiful part of it. it every time you buy it, like, it helps a charity that I believe in. But nice. anyway. Huh. Um, but it's basically, like, it's just a bunch of uh, authors who are atheists writing about why loving tradition and and having those moments for, like, winter holidays mm-hmm. and, like, all that is it's totally valid. Like, you can, it's, so it's an atheist guide to, like, not having a super religious Christmas, but still being able to appreciate yeah. people coming together and the community and the celebration and yeah. all that. And then there's maybe... Two that I can recall, New Year's stories in there. Um, most of them obviously focus on Christmas, mm-hmm. but if your story was in one of those compilations of like new holiday stories that you don't need to have some sort of religious affiliation to appreciate and to reflect on the year, I would yeah. absolutely have liked it. Oh, thank it you. And been like, oh yeah, this <laughs> totally fucking fits. Like, yeah, yay. <laughs> and I I struggled with wondering if it actually met the prompt because. Amy and I discussed this, a new holiday story I took as a new story that could be a new holiday or it could be just a new story for the holidays. Mm. And then she took it as, like, making a new holiday. And I remember being like, oh, Oh, I was so fucking intimidated by that idea. And I was like, I didn't do the pro, no. But I wish I had thought of that because I could have written about Sexy Cheese Day because that's a literal new holiday I've made up. Just now, that's a thing. No, I've been celebrating it for years with Bridget and Samantha. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> like I made a sexy cheese day, but um, does the cheese have like to I've be sexy, this, or do you have to be before? sexy? No, no, you have to be sexy. So you wear a lingerie or something slanky, and then you wake each other up in the middle of the night <laughs> and, and you eat cheese. <laughs> I feel like I've heard the story before. I have yes. also heard this. Yeah, yeah. and I've forgotten about Sexy Cheese Day. It's actually Sexy Cheese Night. It is Sexy Cheese Night. Is it Sexy it's, Cheese Eve? Mm, ooh. Could there be a sexy cheesy if we're making it up as we go? Fast and loose. What does that mean? Fondue? Oh, God. Oh, let's I get know. this fondue going in the middle of the night. I'm going to stop you right there and say fondant. I'm going to agree with that. That was a... Like, <laughs> SNL sweaty balls moment. That's what that reminded me of. I love sweaty balls. <laughs> as a skit. Mm. I think it's a great skit. It made me chuckle as a child. That's right. I just set an age to myself. You're not as old as Alec Baldwin? What? I'm not. I'm not. Guys, we, we're supposed to be fast this time. Right, right. Guys. Fast and loose. Fast and loose. If we're okay. a little too loose, be a little more fast. <laughs> I am already both loose and fast. <laughs> okay, the look on your face was like a little bit slut-shaming. 
I just heard that it's S-L-U-T-C-H-A-M-E-Y, like, slutchamy. And I'm like, what is, what is that? It sounds like an iced alcoholic God beverage. Damn squirrels. Oh. I was really more judging the fact that they basically mean the same thing. Fast and loose. Oh, yeah. Good point. What a fun English thing. Mm. I was judging your redundancy. Mm. Mm. She's a redundancy judger. You know me. I am part Irish. I will never say in one word what can be said in seven. Katie McGrath, such a beautiful woman. <laughs> anyway. All right. Um, yeah. So you guys, I wrote a story like I do every chapter that you know me so far. And uh, I did a new holiday story as well. And uh, I, I, you know how they say write what you know? I don't think they mean like literally write everything you know and all the people you know. But. But I did. <laughs> but I did. So the place we drink a lot <clears throat> has exactly this person. And this is called Genie's Christmas. I took some liberties. This is fiction. But I based a lot of it on her. <laughs> Janie's Christmas. Also, we really need to work on our time because I just realized, like, I know we've been off by, like, mm, half a year. But, like, this... <laughs> These are are Christmas stories that are coming out as the sun is finally gracing most of the country and we're moving away from winter. Fair. So, like, I don't know how we're going to tighten it up, but we should tighten some shit up. I personally like that we have some buffer because we've used that buffer a couple of times. Yes. Right. Where we're like, no, I need another two weeks. But maybe we should not make... Seasonally specific prompts. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Just throwing it up yeah. there. This is on me. I came up with all of the shitty prompts. Don't get me wrong, but I'm gonna try not to do seasonally you specific. You were prompts. feeling the holiday spirit. I always do. do. Yeah, as I always do. Yes. Yeah, so if you can't tell, listener, these were written around the New Year and Christmas. Yeah, I'm Jewish though. This is great. Okay, so <laughs> Janie's Christmas. Janie sat on the old leather couches by the fire, ruminating on the phone call she had just received. Her nephew, her brother's son, was calling to see how she was managing since Thanksgiving and to invite her to his son's holiday play. She sipped at her Sauvignon Blanc, her second glass, and said, Gracias, when a regular at the bar entered and shook her hand. It's not that she was the matron of the Irish bar, but that, very much like the giant stained glass of St. Patrick that graced the bar, she was an institution here. Merci, merci, she intoned, as the bartender brought her a third glass of wine. She was warm and happy, and just the slightest bit fuzzy around the edges. Moments like this reminded her of Panama in 68, or a little like that time she was in Spain with Tom. It was an altogether sunny feeling, really. The day, too, was a sunny, early December day, cold and breezy. Here, though, she was nestled and warm, a down vest on from when she walked to get groceries and a new book from the library earlier. Though the book, a new crime novel, was tucked in her handbag, she picked up the phone and looked at the day's current news. Her font was larger than she would have liked. She already wore glasses, but at least she was still technologically savvy. Not many her age could say that. As she read, the bar staff added more and more holiday decorations, even though there were already plenty up. Tinsel glittered off the light from the fire, and the low hum of electric lights illuminated the space. Red berries, balls, ribbons, and lights dazzled almost every angle in the place. The bar owner would occasionally consult with whichever regular was closer to him about the drape of a ribbon or the height of a garland. Currently, Jeannie watched as he consulted with the woman who had greeted her a few moments before. She was at the bar top, her laptop open, and a fresh pipe beside her, 
telling him to drink the garland by the whiskey selection was uneven, but likely no one else would notice that but her. Though silent, Jeannie disagreed with her. The drape was so uneven, she could see it even at this angle. In many ways, the decoration looked homemade and home-hung, not commercial and false the way department stores look nowadays. Staged. That was what the word was. She thought of the holidays then, just three or so weeks away, and how she would have to wade in that sea of commercialism to get a gift for her family members, who would host her for Christmas dinner. She wondered if she'd get the right gift for her nephew's two kids this year. They hadn't played with the large plastic boat she had purchased them last year. It reminded her of all the sea stories she had read as a girl, and secretly, she had named it La Fuego de Santa Maria. Jeannie, the bar owner asked, does this look right? He was holding a wreath under the service pickup well, unsure if it should be hung there. Oh, yes, darling, see. He tied the little ribbon to support its weight and then picked up a four-foot-long stretch of plastic fur garland, woven with lights, and headed toward the front door in the host station. Jeannie pivoted, helping him again to determine the placement. She loved this bar intensely, and the bar, its patrons and staff, loved her back. She thought of how lonely it could be sometimes to always be visiting someone else's family for the holidays, though it was still her brother, but his family. Amanda, one of the servers, sat on the couch opposite her and asked about her day. Oh, you know, darling, darling, it's grand. She raised her glass of wine and smiled warmly. Amanda smiled too and made a few comments about the decorations and holiday plans and the weather, all normal small talk. All almost requisite conversation with the bar's grandmother. She hadn't called herself that, but welcomed the name gladly. The tone of some of the regulars and staff when they chatted reminded her of prayers sometimes, like the ones people say over candles when they think no one is looking. She stood then, calling out to the bar owner as he tried to find a home for yet another illuminated garland. He was trying a patch on the bar top just a few inches from the bar. No, 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 she cooted him. It's too close, you know? She emphasized her point with a broad sweep of her hand and a little head cock. Well, what about here? He moved quickly and draped the garland over a little hutch by the front door, holding it in place. See, there is perfect. She picked up the little gauzy ribbon from the pile of decorations and made a large bow for the top of the garland. See, now, there. Rojo. She giggled a little at her own linguistic skill, interjecting and the occasional oh and mm, as she accompanied the decorating committee of board servers during a slow afternoon. This, she thought, was perhaps the best she could have, if not a family of her own for the holidays. A little community holiday, a little decorating at the local pub, where she lives nearly every afternoon for a little pup. It was a Christmas of her own, for a month, for every day but actual Christmas. Family would ask her how she was doing, what she was keeping busy with, and really, it was this. She loved the space and the people who worked here. They were like an extension of her family. In fact, she read at the local library children's hour, and the bar manager always brought his son Jack around just for her, so she knew their families, too. She smiled as she helped to hang ribbons and garlands, hearing a new version of Judy Garland's Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, and marveled that, like this song, she was happy to have adapted and been a bit updated from the holidays of her youth. Aww. <laughs> Well, I definitely recognized every single person in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's basically like fanfic for the bar we're at all the time. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I feel like you wrote this sitting at the bar with the laptop open, looking at the garland. Judging the garland? 100% <laughs> yeah. I did. Yeah. I mean, we do say we write fiction, but we didn't say we couldn't write nonfiction. Uh, we hear some jams going. Yeah, my neighbors are into it. Fucking Saturday. Do, do, do. Yeah, I found the story really charming. And just, it's amazing how well you can capture Jeannie with one or two words. One or two words, and I'm like, I can hear her voice. I can hear her tone. (laughs) It's Jeannie. It's Jeannie, but it's also you. 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because there's definitely parts in there where I'm like, oh, no, that's that's Brenna. Yeah. <laughs> that's Brenna imagining herself as Jeannie. As Jeannie <laughs> mm-hmm. Is what this was to me. This is Brenna's so. future. Yeah. 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 That's 100%. And I'm not sad by it at all. Like, yeah. I love being able to be by my family for the holidays. But, like, when I thought about making a new holiday story... I thought, like, what do the holidays actually mean to me? And, like, rather than write a new holiday story where the three of us are getting drunk together at you guys' apartment, <laughs> and we, like, play board games. Which we had a great Christmas. We really that did. That was a great Christmas. It really was. We still didn't play Chocolate Scrabble, though. Shame on us. Still sitting above our fridge. Probably all melty and weird by now. <laughs> Maybe not. It's been pretty cold. That's true. We should do that. We should. But we had a great we had a great <laughs> holiday. Like, rather than write that, like, yeah. I wanted to write something that was like, okay, what could the message be? And again, I was trying not to do a religious thing, but I was like, you know, I love the idea of your community being enough and the idea of like, yeah, you're going to be with your family on Christmas, but they're not the people who check in with you. They're not your day-to-day people. Yeah. And so to have like a month of heartwarming, readying for the holidays, like it's all getting bleaker and bleaker, but you're with your community. It made me happy. I I thought it was heartwarming. And also I loved, I loved how over the top they went at the pub this year it was so decorated and it it, every time i went i smiled i just smiled it was great to be there it was goofy and yeah it was like if elf had decorated buddy buddy the elf i don't know who that is from elf will ferrell's character buddy the elf yeah i've never seen it what yeah Holy shit, guys. I don't you gotta watch it. No, I don't no. need to rectify this. I hate holiday life. movies and I don't love Will Ferrell, so, you know. It's more like I hate Will Ferrell and I don't love holiday movies. I okay, so love Will Ferrell. <laughs> love holiday movies. We know this about But you. also, there's Zoe Deschanel. No. I think she's cute and I want my hair to look like her hair, but my hair doesn't look like her hair. So, you know. Well, she's weirdly blonde in that film. Gross. I like it anyway, mm. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Cool, guys. I'll just watch that one by myself again. <laughs> Alone, holiday time. Yeah. Okay, so that was, a, that was a cool chapter. I feel like we all accomplished the task. We tackled the, the challenging prompts and we did something. So we got a little bit of cannibalism and then two different holiday interpretations. We've got cannibalism, the death of a year trudging slowly through the snow and... An old lady getting drunk and decorating a bar. Yup. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Tis, the season. Tis was the season, by the way. All accurate events. They, we could have edited out the is was, except now you've just referenced it again. Do you want to try that sentence once more? Or do you want to tis was yourself right in Twas. Twas a ritual. <laughs> Twas accurate. So the next prompts are Amy's, right? Yeah. They are. I have them right here. Woohoo! Look at you, all fancy and prepared and shit. She's the better of the three. She's the better of the three. She's the best of us. When it it comes to pulling up prompts on phones, yes, I will claim that title. (laughs) All right. Uh, One, a painting that's just a little too real. Two, a hunt. Three, a breakup and or a wedding. You be the pick. You you, (laughs) You you be the pick. languaging today. <sighs> Twas difficult. <laughs> Tis was. Tis was difficult. 
I'm sorry I made that noise. I just <laughs> You're I excited because you remember the prompts? No, I remembered your story when we talked about it earlier for Redacted. <laughs> and I was really excited about that because I was like, I fucking love that story that she and did. And they're next. But then when you were reading it, I just remembered my story. Yeah. And then I was like, oh. I'm gonna cut this out because I don't want the readers to know what we wrote. Yet. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, 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 not. I, know. Yeah, yeah. I know, I'm sorry. I just I did I was sorry for interjecting and yeah. I was really excited about excited. it. Because I love your story. I genuinely just... like the next Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. This one well. I'm ambivalent about. Like it's not my favorite of the things I've written. I wrote it literally just to fill the prompt. But I like, like my I next one. Really good considering you just wrote to fill the prompt. Yeah, like, I I, I liked all three of these though. So. I hate this one. I hate that one. I hate my prompts. I hate my prompts. I hate them so much. Um, yeah. Uh, thank you guys for joining us for another Fortnite cycle. We are very excited to keep going. Um, you know, we haven't been getting a lot of sketches anymore. Just saying. Just saying. Tangential well, Continental. Get on that shit. We're also really sorry because we haven't been on the social medias. Yeah. We've been saying we'd be on the social medias. We keep lying about it. I'm not apologetic for lying. <laughs> Look, I'm almost Noted. done with thesis. I will be back on there. Right. You will see me, and you'll be like, "Wow, post less, please." And I it'll feel be like, like no. if I can just get a little bit more vitamin D, I yeah. will accomplish yeah. things. We'll wake up. We'll do things. You will see us. You will yeah. Twitter. You will Instagram. I will. I Twitter. She is Tumblr. Us. You Twitter and Tumblr, right? Facebook. See Facebooks. I don't Facebook. I Facebook. You Facebook. I should did be Facebooking you guys. <laughs> you should be face twitting. Twittering and Facebooking together. I'm gonna Facebook. <laughs> Regardless, we've been really bad about social media. Sorry, guys. Yeah, we'll but we probably work on that. And please, regardless of whether or not you draw or whatever, thank you for listening. Uh, try writing, even if you don't share it with us. Uh, yeah. These exercises, because that's really all they are, uh, have been really, really growing for us and really fun to see where your brain goes. So even yeah. if you start your own local chapter. Um, even if you're just writing with your friends or listening to our stories and then seeing how you take the prompts differently than how we do, that's what sparks the imagination. And we need more writers. Yes. We need more readers. We need more female writers or minority writers. Yeah. Anyone who feels like their voice hasn't been heard, just write a little. Yeah. Just write a little. Create some art. Get out there. And I, again, I feel like I say this most times, but I've been taught, the people I talk to who have been listening have been writing. So I've gotten to read some stuff that, sorry, you two haven't gotten to read because they're a little too shy. They don't want to share. But they were great stories. So people mm-hmm. have been writing. And I'm very excited. Thank you for sharing with me, my friends who did. Yeah. Uh, and keep doing it. I like even just hearing your idea of how you would do it. Even that in itself is fun. So. Yeah. I have to admit, like, even just when I know that I have to write a prompt and I discuss it with some of my friends. Yeah. And they're like, I, I'm, you know, brain dead for where I want to go with this story. I'm not inspired at all. And they're like, oh, you could do this or this or this. They haven't even actually written those stories, but I'm so in awe of, of all the many ways. That, yeah. yeah, all the ideas that spring from that. And I would love if people would participate or if they would just share with me. Because honestly, I'm a glutton for new stories. And we won't steal your idea. Promise. Most promise. Mostly promising. Most promise? There's no such <laughs> thing was. as a new idea. That's fair. Let's not get gloomy about it, though. All right. All right. <laughs> Thank you. And, uh... We'll see you in a fortnight. Yeah. Right on. I was waiting for that. <laughs> so was like, Guys, whatever. It's so natural now, let's be honest. You know what's funny is in my head, I, I it's a W-R-I-T-E. Yeah. That's, that's right here. That's yeah. right here. Oh, good. Because that's yeah. how it was in my head when it's I did it the first right time. It's right on. It's right on. One. Two, a three. <laughs> no, that's.
that's not a real word. I'm pissed off y'all. How did you know? Because you moved. As it was whoring. <laughs> those horrible nights. <laughs> horrible nights. I love uh. those horrible nights. <laughs> he was a kite. He was a kite. He was a kite. That's where you're at. <laughs> Wait a second. That's not bear. This is bear. <laughs> oh my god. I'll prompt whoever I fucking want to prompt. <laughs> Obvious crinkle. <laughs> is guacamole like broccoli? No. Please god no. Your memory is foolproof. Accurate. It's really not. Wounds. Leaved <laughs> wounds. <clears throat> That's not a cupboard. <laughs> That's a doorway. <laughs> is was. What the fuck? <laughs> Derailed, man. Is was. I'm a cucumber. Okay. 